Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is crazy. I just realized we are wrapping up the second to last week of June. But at this point, like I said, training camp is right around the corner. Technically, exactly a month and three or four days from today. And so we're going to continue our countdown to training camp by moving forward with our top 25 Bengals of 2023 list, uh, which we're moving pretty fast with. We've already gotten through our First three from the bottom 25, we got Lyle Collins, Miles Murphy, and Dax Hill. And if you want to listen to those discussions, make sure you listen into those. They were all great talks on all three of those players. Now we're going to jump into another guy who I think is going to be very interesting for his spot on the list, and that is Irv Smith Jr., who is at number 22. What does he bring? What should he bring? And why is he on the list? And why is he on this particular spot? We're going to break all of that down. Plus, we're going to have Charlie Jones' wide receiver coach from Purdue, Garrick McGee. He talks about what it was like to coach Charlie and what we can expect to see from Jones next season. Welcome into another top 25 edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad, Andrew Gillis, and Mike Nizek here with you to wrap up this week on this very fine Friday. Before we get going, I want to remind you all to tell us why you, yeah, I'm talking to you, why you're a Bengals fan. Yes. It's simple. Just tell us why you're a fan. Go to strictlystripes.com and fill out the form that says why I'm a Bengals fan. Tell us your story. Or if it's easier, if you're old school, you can email us at stripes at cleveland.com. We've got a ton of responses, and we're going to get through them before training camp. We've read two this week. We read one yesterday, and it actually led us into a very like throwback Ironically, throwback Thursday discussion because it was Thursday and it was like a throwback kind of talk. So it worked out really nicely. So make sure you give us more reasons to have a throwback Thursday and uh, whatever else you want to call days of the week. Irv Smith Jr. We have him at number 22. So I had him a lot higher and we'll get to that part in a second. But I think both of you guys on your respective list before we made like the final list, you guys had him at number 22 each. Before I get into why I had him higher, I want to hear either of you guys, and either of you go first, either of you guys talk about why you had him at number 22. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, you look at his history track record, um, he does not have an extensive sort of, uh, you know, pass-catching um, track record. Uh, his career high is 36 catches, which he had in 2019. Career high for yardage was 365 yards. In 2020, um, 
you know, he has uh, last year he didn't have a catch over 20 yards. Um, he's only played, uh, what was it, 21 games over the last three years. So there's an injury concern. Um, uh, just a bunch of uh, concerns about him. I know the Bengals seem to be happy about how he's fitting in. Um, and, you know, we've seen Joe Burrow elevate, um, you know, the games of certain tight ends. But at the same time, um, I thought Hayden Hurst fit in really well in this offense. I thought there was a bunch of tight ends uh, that could have, you know, really helped them. Um, and I don't know, you know, they say Irv Smith's upside is as good as anybody. Um, they love his athleticism and pass catching skills. Um, I just don't know why. I mean, he played with some good receivers last year um, in a good offense that had a lot of weapons and he wasn't, you know, utilized as much. Uh, I just, uh, you know, I, I think those are sort of red flags. Not that, you know, he can't have a career year here. I just, um, I, I think it's, you know, his production hasn't given you any indication that, uh, that you know, he's sort of primed for a breakout. Um, you know, maybe he'll be healthier this year and that'll help. Um, but still, I, I think there are some concerns there. I mean, you know, Mike just kind of said it, you know, you know, I, I think Irv is, is a little more athletic than, you know, than you would have from from like a Hayden Hurst from last year. And I think the Bengals kind of want that. I think one of the things that you're going to see a lot this year is that you're going to see Irv Smith kind of run down the seam a little bit. I think with Hayden Hurst, you know, he was more of an underneath option, kind of a safety blanket. But I think with with Irv, I think if you can try and stretch that seam a little bit, uh, you know, maybe move the linebackers off him a little bit. You know, if you have to if you have to do different things to cover him, that's going to be a problem. Um, so, I mean, obviously that that is going to be something that they're banking on. Um, you know, I just kind of what what Irv Smith is as a player, I would guess that that would be his usage. The only problem with that, like Mike said, you haven't seen a ton of this. I think, you know, a lot of what we're doing with with Irv is is kind of projection. Um, I mean, and some of this to, 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 I mean, to, to any degree is projection, but I, you know, I, I wrote about this today. I think if Irv Smith just stays healthy, like if, if he just stays healthy and stays on the field, he's gonna put up some numbers, you know, like Hayden Hurst had, you know, like 50 something catches for 414 yards and, and he only played in 13 games. And, you know, one of those games that he played in was, uh, you know, Kansas city when they played in, in Cincinnati. And he, he, I think he left on like the first or the second drive, you know, and, and he was feeling it too. I think he might've even had like, a, like two or three catches so far to start that game. So um, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if Irv Smith stays healthy, like if, if he's a player who stays in the lineup, stays on the field, I I'm really kind of having a hard time figuring out what possible scenario there is that he doesn't at least put up a couple hundred yards, 40, 50 catches. Like I, you know, he, he's set for a career year. He's just got to stay on the field. Well, the difference is, is Hayden Hurst had a season like he did um, with the yeah, Bengals sure. previously. Um, and so um, Irv Smith has not done that. Um, you know, he'd, ha this would be the first time he put together everything. I mean, with Atlanta uh, in 2020, Hurst had 56 catches, his career high, 571 yards and six touchdowns. Um, if he'd played all 17 games, he might have reached um, both those marks. I mean, he was only four catches away from his career high. Um, so, uh, you know, yards per catch was a little down, but he had averaged, you know, in that first three years of his career, uh, well over 10 yards a catch, uh, was a deep threat at times. I mean, had, you know, some, some really nice – uh, longer catches um, and Irv Smith just had, I don't know if it's just that they just 
why if he was so capable of that, why just Minnesota just didn't do that? Um, it, it would be a strange a thing question. to leave on the table. Um, if he was that good and they were just like, oh, we're, we're, we're good. We don't need that. Kind well, of and, and why they traded for TJ Hawkinson too. Correct. Yeah. So you know, yeah. Um, yeah, they didn't, it's not just that they didn't use him. It's that they kind of, they traded over him basically. Yeah. So, I mean, the Bengals obviously, you know, view it, could view it different and rehabilitate, you know, or rehabilitate his, his career and, and give him, you know, a newfound, you know, use, you know, use him in different ways to show how valuable he can be. But um, it'll be interesting. I mean, obviously, you know, this offensive coaching staff has done that before, but it is, it is, um, I think that's why his, where he is, where he is on the list. Yeah. I mean, you could say it's a little bit of experimentation because, you know, like they tried it out last year. I mean, obviously Hayden Hurst, like you said, had better stats and was a much more seasoned veteran. He had like, I want to say two more years of experience under his belt. Yeah. With like a year or two more of experience under his belt, uh, in, Baltimore and Atlanta before he came to Cincinnati. Whereas with Smith, I mean, rookie year didn't really do much. Like this was 2019 had like, what, 36 catches over 300 yards and two touchdowns. Um, most of which didn't really make an impact. Like they kind of came late in the season when it didn't really matter. And then 2020, same thing. Wasn't used that much. Stats are similar. And then, yeah, like the last two years, he's just been hurt a bunch. Like he didn't even play his entire 2021 season because he had a torn meniscus um, and then 2022 he missed half the season because he had an ankle injury uh, midway through the year against the Arizona Cardinals so they activated him um, for the playoff game against the Giants but he had one catch and it was a three-yard touchdown so I'm not gonna underwrite it but like that's it so I think maybe the Bengals look at it as like okay here's a guy who it's probably two things number one He's been screwed, which I agree. He's been screwed from an injury standpoint. Like, it sucks to be him. A torn meniscus and an ankle. Yeah, if you're a tight end, that's awful. And then on top of that, again, why, why did they get TJ Hawkinson? Why trade over him? That's a great question, actually. And I'd have to look more into that because I obviously don't follow the Vikings like, you know, maybe some people do. But I want to actually go and read about that and see, like, were they just not into Smith? Did they see the writing on the wall that this guy is just injury prone and he can't make moves? I don't know. But the Bengals probably saw like, okay, the Vikings don't have faith in him, but we do. Maybe they just saw something in him that Minnesota just overlooked, you know, and or got impatient with. Because obviously they were a playoff team last year, and they thought Hawkinson would be the guy to propel them more than Smith, which from a business standpoint, I get that. But that doesn't mean they didn't overlook him. So which is why I was going to say, so I'm going to tell you where I had him. <laughs> maybe you guys are crazy and maybe the people listening are crazy. I had him at 17. I had him at 17. I had that for multiple reasons. Number one, I think, and you guys kind of alluded to this. I think if he is healthy, stays healthy, you know, injured, not at all, or as little as possible in 2023, he can put up Hayden Hurst numbers for two reasons. Number one, he's built well, like, you know, 6'2", 250. He's got your typical tight end build. I know he's a little bit smaller than Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst is a little bit taller, which, you know, probably gives him a little bit of an advantage against defenders, but he's got a good build. And here's the thing, like, this is the main reason, and, and I'm sold on this. I believe it. I, I mean, trial and error, we've seen it with two tight ends. I think it's going to happen with the third one. Joe Burrow just knows how to win with tight ends. CJ Uzama, was mostly like a third, like depth guy on like third on the depth chart, like you know with Marvin Lewis, even 
into Zach Taylor's, you know, first season, didn't play much. Now, obviously, Tyler Eifert and Tyler Croft were still there, but even then, he didn't play much. So now he gets an elevated role as the main guy his last year in Cincinnati, big part of their Super Bowl run. And then he goes to the Jets and gets paid. And then Hayden Hurst comes. Decent, pretty good, former first-round pick, goes off, gets paid. So not all of it is Joe Burrow. I mean, there's something you said about Hurst and Uzama. I think they have some talent that just came out. But here's the thing. No matter how talented you are, your quarterback has to make that shine. And I believe Joe Burrow did that for those two. And I believe Joe Burrow will do that. And he will do it well for Irv Smith Jr. I I really think if he stays healthy – and if Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow and, you know, the, the Burrow effect is real, Irv Smith, I'm not going to hype him up and say he'll have a, a Pro Bowl year. I mean, I put him at 17, not at top 10. If I thought that, I'd probably put him even higher. But I think Irv Smith, again, we are basing this off of potential predictions. I just have a very confident prediction that Irv Smith is going to be a great fourth option alongside T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd. So again, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I know I'm crazy. People who listen to this podcast know I'm crazy. But do you guys think I'm crazy for putting him at 17? I mean, that, that, that that's certainly too high. Um, you know, because you know, I, I'm looking at your list right now. I mean, you you have him above Ted Karras and Cam Taylor Britt and Nick Scott and Jonah Williams and BJ Hill. Uh, yeah, I, I I can't really co-sign any of that. Um, you know, I, I look at, again, a lot of this is projection with Irv Smith, you know, like that he's even on the list, I think. Um, you know, we've seen flashes of him in the NFL. I think this, like, you know, I mentioned the other day with, uh, you know, with Lael and with Miles Murphy and, and with, you know, with Dax, like a lot of that is, okay, you know, it, it's hard to put a Miles Murphy at like 22 or 20 because you, I mean, he, you haven't, you haven't seen it. Like, you know, it's, it's hard to put a Dax Hill higher, you know, into the top 20, top 15, because you haven't seen it. So I think with, with Irv, I, I mean, you, you haven't seen it, you've seen the flashes, but yeah, I mean, there, there are other guys on this team who like actually played well for this team last year that I, I just don't think that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I agree yeah. With I mean, do you have a specific like take that Andrew didn't have though? Like, was it everything he said, or is there something more to it? You know, with, with, oh, with no. at least you know the, the guys I had between seventeen and twenty-two. Like, what do you think of that? Uh, yeah, I mean, Irv Smith should be lower than all of them. I mean, they're all. I mean, other than I mean, maybe Nick Scott is sort of a coin flip. Other than that, I, I think that all those should be lower, low, uh, you know, higher than Irv Smith. I guess now that I think about it. Karras and Williams, yeah, I think they should have been above him. Yeah, because I had Jonah Williams at – so that's who I had at uh, – oh, yeah, actually, I had him at 21. I had B.J. Hill at 22. Yeah, B.J. Hill and Jonah Williams definitely could have been a, a spot higher. And then, yeah, you can swap out Irv Smith for Nick Scott. May, maybe 20, 21 would have been better, I, I think, now that I think about it. Maybe that was a little too high. But again, that's with respect to like Ted Karras and Jonah Williams. But I think when I made this, I, I just don't know. Like I wasn't very sold on Jonah Williams because like I just don't know if he'll be good at right tackle. Like and we'll talk about Williams later, like, you know, without giving away his spot on the list. But like I just don't know if he'll be that good. And with Nick Scott, like, I mean, he's obviously higher than Dax Hill because we've seen him play as a, a full time starter, but like 
I don't know that, you know, Nick Scott will be electrifying enough for me to put him over Irv Smith. Like, I think even if I redo it, I'd still put Irv Smith over Nick Scott. Ted Karras, yeah, I, honestly, I probably could have swapped those two because, like, I had Karras at 18 and him at 17. I think you could swap those two, push Jonah ahead. And then Cam Taylor-Britt, that, that's another discussion. That's a whole other discussion. And, again, like, these guys are on our list. Uh, they're just on different spots that we'll reveal later. That's the whole point of the countdown. Uh, stay with us. We have a really cool interview coming up with Garrick McGee, who is the current wide receivers coach at the University of Louisville. So you're wondering, wait, why are you talking to a guy from Louisville? Because he coached Charlie Jones at Purdue last year uh, when Jones had that breakout season for the Boilermakers before the Bengals drafted him. That conversation, that phone interview coming up right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Joining me is Louisville wide receivers coach Garrick McGee. And if you're wondering why I'm with Garrick McGee, it's because he was Purdue's wide receivers coach last year, which means, as you probably guessed, he coached uh, Bengals rookie and fourth-round pick Charlie Jones during that uh, record-breaking season he had last year with the Boilermakers. Uh, Coach, appreciate you joining us. I know you uh, just left practice, uh, so there is no such thing as an off-season. I know you're very busy, so thank you for being so gracious with your time. How are you? I'm doing good, buddy. I appreciate you having me on. Likewise, likewise. And, you know, it's actually so funny that we're talking because I actually talked to your replacement earlier at Purdue, Corey Patterson, who also coached Chase Brown, the uh, running back from Illinois, who was drafted right after Charlie. So kind of ironic twist. I talked to the former and the, the current guy at Purdue. So it, it's an ironic twist for me. It's, it's kind of cool. but um, And as you know, obviously, in the coaching world, there's a lot of crossover. Uh, but kind of just jumping into it, you coached Charlie last year at Purdue. Uh, he had that great season, like I mentioned. You, you've been coaching for quite a while as an analyst, as a head coach, as an assistant coach. What made Charlie such a special guy to coach last year? Well, um, just first of all, he's just really a good person. Um, the way he shows up, the way he handles his business every day. Um, he was a veteran. He had been around a while and been in a couple of really good programs. So, you know, he knew how to go about his business, um, you know, as a student athlete. Um, and then you get on the field with him, and he was really committed to getting his game better. And, you know, he was listening. He, he was a very coachable guy. He was trying to learn as many tricks as he can learn, and he was helping the younger guys, you know, with things that he had learned throughout his career. So just a really enjoyable, um, hard-working kid to be around. So you mentioned that part about him being a veteran, because obviously he played at uh, Buffalo, and then he played at uh, Iowa with Kirk Ferentz, another great coach. Having a guy like that who's such a veteran, how much more coachable does that make him? And, you know, how much does it make your job easier in the process? Uh, well, that could go either way. I think it just matters the values of the person. 
because, you know, there's times you get veteran players that they already know how to do everything. They're not interested in being coached. Um, what they've done for a long time is work for them, and they don't care how they fit into a system. They just want to do things how they always done it and get the ball thrown to them. And this kid was not like that at all. He's a very humble guy. Um, just wanted to show up and work. He's a he's a football guy. He really enjoys the practice session. Um, just a you know I can't say enough about Charlie, man. I really had a good time coaching Charlie. Now, obviously, you know with, with Jeff Brom, who you were with last year, who you're with again back at Louisville, where he where he's at now. You know, one of the hallmarks that Charlie Jones said that you guys had that helped him succeed was you know that pro style offense that Coach Brom uh, had at Purdue last year. So, I mean, from seeing it from that point of view, from an X's and O standpoint, why did Charlie thrive so well in that pro-style offense? Uh, well, I think he just got to showcase all of his skills and all of his talents. Um, he had to run every route. He had to learn, you know, multiple concepts. We, we take pride in having a complex system and carrying a lot of offense. And it, it, it forces guys to learn a lot. It forces guys to study. Um, we, we, we really try to take pride in teaching our kids defensive structure so they understand where they fit in the concept based on the coverage that they're running. And I think that's what he's talking about, that, you know, he wasn't just doing certain things every day. He had to do a lot of different things every day and study, you know, to master his craft. And I, we, we try to, we try to put our kids in that position so that when they get to the pros, they understand the level that they have to work mentally before their talents, you know, show up on the field. You know, speaking of a pro offense, as a former quarterback yourself for Oklahoma, you know, uh, you could probably relate to Joe Burrow, uh, who has Jones as one of his new weapons, you know, a new depth piece behind T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd. You know, from a quarterback-to-quarterback standpoint, how lucky is Joe Burrow to have Charlie Jones? Well, like I said, he's he's dealing with a uh, a good person, and that's always good for a quarterback, especially at this point. You know, Joe's still young, but he's done a lot in the NFL, and he's played a lot of playoff, tough playoff games. So, you know, I would consider Joe a veteran at this point, that he, he understands – how to win deep in the playoffs. And when you're a veteran like that, you don't want no prima donna receiver coming to town wanting to tell you what to do. You want to be able to tell the receivers where you want them to fit. And, you know, if the coverage does this, I want you in this spot on the field. And I know that Charlie is all for it. He wants to win. And he understands that getting yourself in the right spot for the quarterback and an available position for him and how you present yourself to the quarterback when you're running your routes is very important to getting the ball thrown in your direction. Coach, my last question for you to kind of wrap up. Um, obviously, I know you have a lot of love for Zach Taylor, um, Norman, Oklahoma native from the same state as you, who probably watched you play when you were at Oklahoma you know, almost 30 years ago. You know, a guy like Zach Taylor and that Bengals offense, you know, what are they going to see from Charlie Jones in are they going to see him be a future pro bowler, a future all pro? I mean, do you compare him to anybody in the league, or is he just a beast in his own way? No, I think what they're going to see is a guy that's committed to this particular day. And, you know, he wants to win the day. Just get a little bit better today. 
and keep adding days on top of days and keep stacking them so that when these games start, that you can continue to do what you do every day. You know, I think that's what Zach will like the most about him is that he's not really focused on what's going to happen tomorrow. Let's just focus on today and let's, you know, get better today. And I think that's what all coaches look for and, you know, and, and players and, and particular receivers because they, that the receiver is a different breed. You know, those guys are different. They They always want the ball. They're always open. But this is a humble kid that wants to do whatever he can do to help the team win. Now, if that means he gets 10 balls for 120 yards, that's fine. But there were games where we played that, you know, Charlie got four balls for, you know, 50 yards and a touchdown, but we won by seven points, and he's just as happy. Just a very humble guy that wants to do whatever he can possibly do to help the team win. Very humble guy, coached by a very humble coach. Really appreciate you joining us. Uh, that's Garrick McGee, Louisville wide receivers coach, who coached Charlie Jones at Purdue last year. Coach, thank you so much again for being with us on this podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you, buddy, for having me on. Likewise. Don't go away. I'll be right back on the Strictly Stripes podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. All right, thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So we talked a lot about Irv Smith at Number 22 on our list, why we put him there, why I had him a lot higher, why I'm crazy for many other reasons, uh, reasons you know, besides putting him a lot higher than number 22. And um, there was some really thoughtful discussion there. And we heard from uh, Charlie Jones's former college coach, who uh, was very nice to talk to me after he just got out of a hot summer practice. So I uh, really appreciate Garrick McGee joining us on the podcast. And hopefully we get many more college coaches from these Bengals rookies that haven't talked to us already. I uh, just want to talk a little bit more about Irv Smith, uh, kind of the the, proje- the projection side of things, what we think, what we might expect to happen. So I know I mentioned like Hayden Hurst, what he did, CJ Uzama, what he did with Joe Burrow. D- do you say, I guess, because like maybe you can call it an over under, I don't know. Do you set a line for like, catches he's gonna have yards touchdowns like for Irv Smith do you kind of have that in your mind of like what a successful stat line looks like for him I mean it it would kind of have to be something similar to what uh to what Hayden Hurst had last year um you know I you know I kind of mentioned that Hayden Hurst only played in in 13 games um because of injury he still had you know 52 catches so you know, I mean, you're, you're talking about, you know, four catches a game. So, like, if, if you can get, you know, whatever, what would that math be? You know, I don't I don't know if it'll be necessarily that high. But if you, if you he can, had, like, 52 you can, catches last year. Yeah, like, if you can convince me of a world where, okay, Irv Smith Jr. shows up and he's going to make, you know, 55 catches for, you know, 500 yards or 50 catches for 450 yards or so, something like that with like two or three touchdowns. Yeah. I think that that would be a successful year 
just kind of filling the void of what of what Hurst left statistically. I also think, you know, just because, you know, not only do do you need kind of that void filled specifically and statistically, um, just, you know, you're also going to have Charlie Jones in there. So if you can if you can get that same level of production from Irv Smith, I think that means good things for the offense. But he also adds a different dynamic, I think, than Hayden Hurst gave you. So, yeah, if, if you can just get him to be essentially Hayden Hurst, I think he gives you a little bit more of a dynamic that, that you didn't have last year. And the receivers are deeper than they are last year. Like, you know, I, I mean, maybe Charlie Jones has more catches than um, – you know, uh, whoever the I, – I, I would have to look it up, whatever the, you know, the fourth leading receiver had for the Bengals. And by receiver, I mean, like, actual wide receiver. Um, I guess so it would I, be I just Trent, think would it, Trent get, Irwin, I think it would be Trent Irwin or like, – no, it would be Hayden Hurst. Yeah, Trent but, like, Irwin. the stats weren't – but the, either way, the stats are not very significant. Like, if, if you can get, you know, a boost in, in kind of your depth there and then Irv Smith to replace Hayden Hurst, I think you're feeling you're feeling pretty good. Yeah, CJ's numbers though the year before that too are are a good baseline. He had forty nine catches for forty nine ninety three yards, but also caught some fields down, caught some passes downfield. Uh, you know, a thirty two yard catch, uh, a couple thirty yard catches in the in the first month of the season, a long catch against Baltimore that year. Um, th- those are the things that they that Irv Smith needs to do once in a while uh, to provide a threat, open things up for Jamar Chase and T Higgins a little bit. Um, keep defenses honest. If he's just a guy that they could throw out into the flat and he gets a couple yards, I, I don't think that's very helpful. I think he needs to show that his route tree uh, is a little more varied than that. Um, you mentioned up the seam and things like that. Um, just, you know, show things that he hasn't really done uh, throughout the career and, and and be successful at it. And so I think that's kind of, you know, even if his numbers are a little lower, if he has long, if he has, you know, handful of 20 yard gains in there mixed in. I think that could mean for a successful season for him, but yeah, he has to hit a certain baseline. He has to be their, uh, you know, fourth leading receiver, I think is essentially what he has to be. Totally agree on, you know, being the fourth leading receiver. I like what you said about Uzama. Cause yeah, like you said, 49 catches, almost 500 yards, five tutties. Um, and you know, he had a great game against the Raiders uh, in the playoffs. He had that, that big touchdown that got the Bengals going early in the game. Um, and you know, remarkably fought back from like an ankle injury against the chiefs to, you know, briefly appear in the super bowl, which, you know, I, that was, that was grit. That was definitely grit. I think a lot of Bengals fans will remember that about CJ Uzama before he went to the jets. I like that. I, like I said, cause I think with, with Uzama, he kind of had to claw his way to that point. Like you're talking about a guy who was mostly a third string backup up until he became the starter, obviously kind of reminds me more of uh Irv Smith, except obviously Smith had more injuries and came from another team. But, you know, Uzama actually tore his Achilles the year before during Joe Burrow's rookie season. Like, I think it was only it was only in week two against the Browns. So he came back and did that, which is kind of like Irv Smith coming back from two injury ridden seasons. If, if he can put together a season like that. Oh, yeah, he'll be set whether he wants to stay in Cincinnati or go elsewhere like the other two predecessors did. He said, but speaking of which, I, I mean, we talked about this before the draft, and I'm kind of curious about your thoughts on this. Like, let's assume, you know, Smith hits either line projection that we have set for him. Could you see a situation where the Bengals are like, hey, we want to keep you around? And Smith is like, hey, I want to stick around. Or do you think he just treats it like a rental and goes somewhere else? Like, I just wondered, like, do you think that's what he had in mind is I'm going to come and then leave or I'm going to come? and leave and then maybe I might actually like it here and say I'm going to stay instead like 
like, what do you think the strategy is behind? Like, do you like the strategy of like renting tight ends? Like, should they keep him? Is it a feasible solution? Like, what do you guys think? I think it's a fine strategy. I just think it's really risky. It's a little, I would kind of equate it to like, you know, going into the transfer portal heavily in college football. Like, you know, you, mm-hmm. you can do that. You can portal your way out of trouble in college football. But if you miss, you're in trouble. And, you right. know, I, I mean, you know, like, I, yeah, you know, Miles Murphy was, you know, I think, you know, we all agree was a good pick, um, you know, but you start to wonder okay, well, what if DJ Turner wasn't the pick? And what if they had drafted a tight end? Would you feel safer there considering that, you know, you've got somebody to grow into that position? Because if if Irv Smith isn't what you want him to be or he gets hurt or whatever, then you're kind of, you're you're kind of up a creek. So, um, I mean, I think it's a good strategy for Irv Smith. I mean, if you were to pick a team, I mean, this would be the one. It's a great offense. It's a team that needs a tight end. It's a team that, you know, you, you know, that can win a Super Bowl. That that makes sense for him. For the Bengals, it does make sense in a way to kind of you know to try and take a uh, you know try and take a flyer. I, I think they actually should have still drafted a tight end, um, you know. But I you know I just look at you know the the strategy of this and it's it's risky because if you if you don't have a good year from from Herb Smith Jr. Then, then, then you're going to have a lot of questions about about what's going to happen at tight end because then you're you're, you're I mean, what do you have at tight end? You, you don't really have you know a solid backup option there. Yeah, I think the risk is that they signed an injury prone guy and didn't really do much behind him. I mean, they re-signed Drew Sample, um, and they just don't have anybody that that I would call a danger in the passing game behind him. So, um, fine with not. Yeah, you know, I, I think they could have just done more, whether it was drafting or signing another guy. I mean, I know they didn't have tons of money, but um, you're just leaving yourself open. Um, like Andrew said, it's a risk just with because if he gets injured, I think you're going to have to obviously sign somebody that that could play. Because I don't, I don't think you want Drew Sample handling sort of the bulk of the work um, in the passing game. Um, you know, decent enough blocker, but um, just not enough there uh, to feel comfortable. I think going in the season with a guy who, like I said, has only played. 21 games the last three years. Yeah, and then that leaves you with Devin Asiasi, who probably only had like two catches last year, and then Tanner Hudson and Nick Bowers, who are both in the practice squad, who haven't I mean, I think Hudson, he was the one who came from Tampa Bay when, you know, he was with Brady in uh that Super Bowl season, but like even then he was still a backup. I don't know if Bowers has ever actually played an NFL snap, so not the best depth, uh, and obviously you don't have Mitchell Wilcox. That ship has kind of sailed. They didn't extend his uh, franchise restricted tender. You know the unique situation he had. They didn't extend it to him. So yeah, that's tough. Um, and like they passed on a tight end in the draft, so they're pretty pretty sold on Irv Smith. But yeah, I I mean I would think if it doesn't work out, like you said, if they go into the transfer portal like they did with Smith, and it doesn't work out. I think either you sign a guy long term in free agency next year, or you just you go back into the draft and say, "All right, where's our Tyler Eifert? Where's our, you know, CJ Uzama, our in-house guy that we're bringing in?" Because, like, like you said, I mean, it worked with Hurst, it could work with Smith, but like, you need long-term continuity because you can't keep. Get, I mean, there's luck that's involved. Like, you just can't keep getting lucky that you'll find the next Irv Smith or you'll find the next Hayden Hurst. Like, sometimes the market changes. You might not have that next year like you'll have tight ends in the market but are they as good as you want them to be i don't know the market the market changes it's a uh, it's a marketplace so 
it comes and goes. Supply and demand, baby. That's economics 101. Uh, final thoughts from you guys. I know I've talked this to death, but um, I don't think the players have talked this to death because they're talking about it. Bengals, Chiefs. We are still almost exactly six months, I guess six months and a week away from the Chiefs and the Bengals uh, squaring off on New Year's Eve. And these guys are acting like the game is tomorrow. We talked about Tyler Boyd saying they won up the Chiefs by signing Orlando Brown. And then you have Joe Burrow conceding, okay, Pat Mahomes is the best. Jamar Chase disagrees with that. Then uh, Pat Mahomes has something to say about that. And then Travis Kelsey has something to say about that. And then Jamar Chase has something to say about that on his Instagram. So this is not going anywhere. Not even close. We have a long way to go before week 17. Um, do you feel like maybe this rivalry, though, is being overinflated because of all the chitter-chatter? I know you guys have given your takes on this. We did a whole podcast on this like two months ago. But are the players maybe reading too much into this rivalry when they should be worried about getting ready for week one? No. I mean, it's the middle of June, or I guess the end of June. Like, I mean, what – like – I like I, I mean this is the this is the the off season for these guys too and I mean this is when they're on break and this is when they don't really have to worry about football or anything like that and, and I mean this is when they're at their I guess you could say that their guards are down a little bit and they're they're <laughs> relaxing and I mean yeah I, I mean I think it's fun you know I think a lot of people get you know all huffy puffy when whenever guys talk about you know you know I can't believe that he said this blah 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 and then, you know, the same people will turn around and, and complain that the guys are, are too boring. You know, that people are true. Oh, you know, he doesn't say anything or, you know, he just says a lot without saying anything important. Like, true. you know, I, I think that uh, you can't really have it both ways. So, I mean, I think it's fun. I, I think it makes uh, I, I mean, I think it makes for, for fun storylines. I think, you know, a couple of years ago, the, the Chiefs bills kind of looked to be the next big one in, in the NFL. And, and I think Chiefs Bengals has, has pretty well supplanted that by this point. Mm. I also don't think that this is pretty uh, weak stuff. I mean, it's yeah, just, it's not, yeah, it's not exactly like crazy. A tweet True. here, comment here. Just, on a just bulletin board material, just the basics. I don't even think it's that. I mean, I, I, I don't even think it rises to that level. I mean, bulletin board's personal. Um, like, you know, uh, earlier this season when the, the Chiefs guy, you know, Jalen Reed or whoever it was. Justin Reed. Uh, Justin, Justin Reed. Reed. I just did what he did. Um, you know. Uh, yeah, getting those guys mixed up. Well, on purpose and sort of, you know, mm-hmm. laughing about it and, and doing that. That's that's sort of taking a shot, you know, saying. Oh, yeah. Well, I think my guy's the best. I and mean, that's it's pretty, pretty tame. Yeah. And then uh, what did Jamar Chase call him? Tuna in a can? <laughs> It was so <laughs> that's so funny to me. <laughs> but I think the best response I've seen was and you guys have probably agreed, like when Patrick Mahomes tweeted the picture of that's who, when Jamar Chase said Pat who, that's who, and he's got two rings on his fingers. That was that was Petty Mahomes in full force. Like love or hate the guy. That was very well done. Very well done, Pat Mahomes. Stay with us next week. We're going to continue our top 25 countdown, have some more special interviews on deck for you guys uh, with these discussions. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to read more Bengals fans' responses and, and tie it into our own personal experiences as sports fans and sports reporters. So we appreciate you guys filling those out. These are great. Seriously, keep them coming in. This makes the podcast better. You guys drive the podcast 
which makes us special. Once again, for myself, Andrew, and Mike, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Have a safe and fun weekend.